We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. Like craft beer for your ears. This is the PT Pinecast. All right, this thing's telling me we are live. Hello, and welcome to the show. Uh, this is PT Pinecast. We're going to get underway, but first want to say thanks to our friends from uh, your CBD store. Uh, CBD was something that came up on an episode not long ago. We did like a whole episode on it. I feel like we could have done two or three more. Um, it's something that your patients maybe checking out on their own. It's not something you're going to be prescribing as a physical therapist, right? But it's something that they might be taking or interacting with while they're in your care. And we've asked people like, how much do you know about it? And a lot of times we get like, just like a blank stare, like a lot like this, like for the podcast audience, that was me just staring blankly at the camera. But uh, so, so you want to feel, you want to feel confident when you're talking about this, right? You want to have the latest information. The problem is there's a lot of information out there. I don't know if you've Googled something lately, but the internet is in fact getting bigger every day since I started the show 52 seconds ago, it's gotten bigger. Uh, that's why you have a resource like CBD RX for you. Uh, so check out that website. It's headed up by a physician, cutting edge stuff. They've got uh, the details. So uh, go to the website, check out their resources, and when you're done, you'll feel confident that you've got the latest up-to-date information about CBD and and how it might you know how it might be being used and what it'll do with your patients in your care. Plus, if you go to the website, we're giving away pint glasses. This one was from last year. This is the uh, my favorite line from Tyrion Lannister at Game of Thrones, which is "I drink and I know things." Great line. I feel like a lot of us do that after we get out of work. Uh, but we're giving away some more pint glasses this year, so starting in the spring. So uh, to get in that from our friends at CBDRX for you, just go to the website, enter your email address, and you're in the running. That is, in fact, it. It is no purchase necessary. Our lawyers made us say that. So thanks to our friends from CBDRX for you. Let's start the show now. It's a very intense introduction we've got there for 2021. What's up? My name is Jimmy McKay. We are kicking off the show officially now. Speedy Pinecast, a show that, uh, well, saves physical therapists from missing out on amazing insight, remarkable ideas, and motivational stories in the world of physical therapy. See, I can read along with the, uh, with the screen. Uh, make sure you check us out on all the socials, at PT Pinecast, on the major social platforms, except Clubhouse. I mean, I signed up for the account because I wanted to make sure I got the name, but I have no idea what that is yet. Someone needs to call in or, or email me or DM me. It sounds like a bunch of people yelling at each other. So it sounds like a bar, right? It's just a bunch of people like kind of screaming in a chat room. We had these back in the day, but it was just like chat rooms where we just chatted at each other. So maybe I'll figure that out what Clubhouse actually is. But anyway, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, that's really where we usually hang out at PT Pinecast. I'm excited today. Uh, met one of our guests in a bar by accident, not on Twitter, not on social media, in an actual bar while I was still in PT school. So it was kind of a cool interaction, one of those like like weird just happenstance things. So uh, let's bring in both of our guests today, uh, both vestibular physical therapists at Balancing Act Rehab, providing vestibular uh, telehealth treatment. They are also no stranger to this environment, hosted their own podcast called Talk Dizzy to Me. I get that song, like the Jason Derulo song kind of in my head. I feel like that should be your theme song. Reach out to Jason Derulo immediately, if not sooner. Uh, let's welcome in our guests, Daniel Tate and Abby Ross to the show. Let's get them in here. There we go. Ladies. Hello welcome. there. Welcome hey, Jimmy. Show. How are we Thank doing tonight? You. 
excited to be here. Number one. <laughs> Always and, say that. This way, the host is kind to you. Excited to be here. <laughs> uh, Funny story, Jimmy. I met Danny in a bar too. What? <laughs> oh, there's a, there's a weird theme going on here. I'm starting to feel a little self-conscious about my drinking ability. <laughs> Listen, that just means I'm telling you, like, and I've said this before. So people are like, oh, I get it. Like, you know. Every, everybody like a, a podcast kind of blew up in 2017 2018 right that was kind of like the hockey stick and i feel like everybody just picked like um garden gnomes or gardening with a beer and that was like the thing to do right but really if you look at it you're telling people what kind of vibe you want it's not really even about the alcohol right i mean you could drink cheaper at home why do you go to a bar you go there for the human connection because these random people i don't want them in my living room so we'll meet in a public house which is what a pub is and then we can chat and then I can leave you there if you're too weird and I can go <laughs> into my house. So like you guys meeting at a bar. I mean, if you've been to a PT conference, that's where the magic happens. I'm sorry. Well, it's it's net, the networking hour, right? Yeah, that's where we actually met with CSM in 2019. So right, we, we were you know, just chilling after that and bumped into each other, found out we both love vestibular therapy. And it's been a it's been a cool road ever since. Where was 19? They all blur together for me. DC. Yeah. D oh, yeah. yeah. That was the cold one, right? really cold that was super cold <laughs> hence why we were drinking margaritas yes why not yeah <laughs> that's my town i mean i went to pt school in arlington and i was super excited when i went to dc but it, it was in like february and i was like "Ooh, that's gonna taste bad and then i think we had some like weather issues but i always love csm i mean hey guys csm in full swing right now mm -hmm. um, not having the same feel but i will give a nod to apta like i've been hearing a lot of positive uh feedback online from people uh you know you, you know you know, uh, people take, you know, taking the courses, not necessarily the speakers. And they're saying, Hey, great job in pivoting. I'll tell you, like flipping something that size virtual. I don't even want to start to wrap my head around how hard that was. Oh but. my gosh. I mean, well, Abby and I were working with the vestibular disorders association this year, and we held our first ever conference. We wanted to do it in person, did not work out. And we ended up having to do it virtually. And for as small as the conference was, you know, for going live, it was rough, man. I mean, the amount of technical difficulties involved with that and getting everybody on board was not an easy thing to take on. So there's, props there's to APPA. Logistics. There's logistics, there's technology. Like, so like, give a nod. If somebody, if you find out somebody yeah. in your state chapter, local, state, national chapter works in putting on a conference, like buy them a drink. Or two or three because it's a lot of work. <laughs> it is a ton of work. And then you deal with the aftermath. If you do have technical difficulties, my email was like, I can't get this video. What happened here? I paid for this. It's like, oh man, this is not my forte. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. Uh, let's get the hard questions out of the way first. First question is always the hardest. Uh, what are we drinking? Is what I would like to know. Oh, I get to be the boring person tonight. I got nothing. I got nothing. nothing. All right. I'll drink double. Uh, Abby, what do you got? You I'm with you, Jimmy. Drink. I have a fancy drink. Yes. Let me just show anyone who's watching. I'm very proud of my bartending skills tonight. <laughs> this is muddled strawberries, mint, lemon, and water with, of course, a little vodka. There you go. Wow. Next level. Uh, right? I'll show off my bartending skills. Nobody opens a can like me. <laughs> uh, this one from... And we'll get into this in a minute. This one's from the Hudson Valley Sloop Brewing, which is in Fishkill. This is their Juice Bomb IPA, which, by yeah. the way, has e has overtaken Guinness as my favorite beer lately. So cheers to uh, to myself and Abby. Danielle, cheers. Sit there awkwardly, maybe, for a minute. Yeah, just a little awkwardly. <laughs> All right, so I mentioned- IPAs before, are my favorite, Jimmy. Good choice. They're good. Like, I hated them at first. And then, I don't know, I just, I fell in, then I fell in love. It was a love-hate, it was a hate-then-love relationship. 
Uh, mentioned in the in the intro that uh, I met Danielle at a bar, and we were in. Do you remember the name of the bar? Was it uh, A Town? That is. It, uh-huh. it doesn't exist anymore. Uh, uh, it is closed, uh, so that's where our memories are. But um, uh, you tell the story because we were kind of alluding to this just before we hit record. Yeah, we were. We met there. There was some planning involved with this. Uh, the PT clinic I was working in um, was a major sponsor for the 5K that you were um, mm-hmm. running for Marymount. Correct. So we were doing um, a bag pickup, and I think just to kind of get to know everybody type of night. And you and I got talking, and everyone always asked, well, you know, where are you from? And I explained I'm from this small town just above New York City, and he goes, Yeah, where? And I go, oh, you know, it's about 45 minutes, you know, Hudson Valley region. He goes, yeah, where? Yeah. I was like, oh, like the Newburgh area. But I went to see, you know, I went, I was somewhere around that area. He goes, yeah, where? So I explained I was from Montgomery, New York. He's like, me too. I was over in Walden. And so turns out we had a lot of shared, uh, you know, people in our lives and new, you know, uh, friends. And it was kind of crazy. Yeah. So we went to the same high school. Yes. You can't stop short of like the one yard. Like, yeah, we went to the same yes. high school. And everything. Uh, you were on the swimming and diving team. I don't know why I was allowed on the swimming and diving team, but I was. I think they needed to just have X amount of people to get a, a cheaper deal on the sweatshirts or something. And I were like, yeah, sure, you can swim breaststroke. But uh, yeah, your diving coach was like one of my best friends in high school. And college. Yep, Jimmy Frisbee. Arlington, Virginia had a random PT thing. And then we were like, I mean, I'm, I don't even know how big or small Montgomery is where I am right now, but it's not that big. And we were like, oh, my gosh, from the same hometown. So there's a little connection. And then you guys met in a bar. And I think what we've taken away so far in the first nine minutes of this episode is bars are the uh, the best place to meet future great. <laughs> all right so so you guys met at csm and that's mm-hmm. and you, you guys were uh you know bonding over vestibular theory and the love of that mm-hmm. um where did it go from there when did when did it go to hey let's let's make a podcast because everybody and their mom has one of those so why not why not us well at first i thought abby was crazy um <laughs> we had met in and i get that a lot bar. i get that a lot <laughs> We met in this tequila bar and she was saying, you know, we, once we figured out we both specialize in vestibular therapy, we started geeking out a little bit. And then she was telling me about this new company that she had started and it was telehealth for vestibular therapy. And this, and was, I, what this year? was in 2019. So, so and she would start a couple of months oh. before that. Oh, she's yeah. like way ahead of the curve. She's ahead of the game. 2019 telehealth was going to be like 30 years in the future. Oh, yeah. I mean, you th- I, especially for vestibular therapy. Now, this I'm coming from, you know, an internship with Jeff Walter where I had patients in the clinic. We had goggles. We had, you know, VNGs. We had everything to our disposal. And here's Abby telling me, yeah, I just do this over the computer. And I'm like, mm, I'm not really sure we can do that. Um, so we kind of lost touch for a little bit. I ended up leaving my job in Maryland and came down to Hilton Head, South Carolina. And there was a period of time where I like I kind of kept in touch and it looked like COVID was not going to be going away. And I reached out to Abby. I said, listen, I, I, tell me more about this. I'm interested. What's going on? And from there, she really kind of opened my eyes to how great this is and how much this patient populated pa- patient populated needed this and how we could really be successful and succinct and really help a lot of people with it. So I treat both in the clinic and with Abby at Balancing Act. And then you know, one thing led to another. We kept geeking out and we ended up wanting to start a podcast together. And it's just been rolling in the right direction ever since. Why not? Mm-hmm. Um, Abby, how did you how did you lock on and say, hey, vestibular online telehealth, we can do this before it, before your hand was forced. Right. Like anybody really yeah. jumped into the telehealth game in the, in the last, you know, before the last 365 days. A lot of people, I mean, CSM last year, which feels like 10 years ago. I was part of Technopalooza and they were like, telehealth, yeah, 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 five, 10 years, then you'll start to see it. 
I mean, this doesn't sound like an easy patient population to be doing telehealth, but you were like, no, I'm going to put my flag in it. This is me. Yeah. I mean, you'd be surprised. So actually at that telehealth conference in 2019 in DC, I presented a poster on telehealth and the use of post-concussion care. And I remember feeling, you know, there were some bigger names that were coming up to my poster and basically looking at me like I had 12 heads probably the same way Danny looked at me when we met at the bar that night. But regardless, I kind of got used to that feeling because anyone I would talk to, they they had never experienced virtual care yet. So they were very confused. Um, even my parents, I remember when I sat down and told them this idea, which was a long time even before I started it, they both said, uh, no, you need a real job. And that's that. <laughs> So I started it because I left New York City. I worked at NYU at the start of my career. I moved to Florida and I was really, really unhappy with uh, the care that was provided at the place I worked at here. Um, they needed someone in vestibular, but I just, I just wasn't happy. So I basically quit overnight and started my own clinic virtually. The reason I knew it would work was because pro bono, when I moved to Florida, I had a colleague reach out to me from NYU and say, hey, I've got this friend of mine. She's more like family. I need her to see someone. She's got nobody. Can you please just see her somehow? I don't care how you do it. Just see her. So I ended up seeing her again pro bono via FaceTime, actually. And wow. I realized uh, this is actually way easier than I thought. And the reason it works is because in the vestibular world, so much of the magic happens in the client's home. So what you do in the clinic is important, but it's really the meat and potatoes of vestibular rehab happens in the homework that you provide or the program that you provide for them to do within the home. So why can't we start in the home, actually in the home? You know, we can see their environment, we can see what they're they're capable of, what they're having difficulty with. We can have them show us things in real life versus um, just in the clinic and then translating it to the home or their real life environment. So, so it actually works really well. I want to stop you right there because there's a lot I want to make sure that I don't miss, miss and I want to make sure that the audience catches. Number one, how did that make you feel when a lot of people were looking at what you were thinking about doing and they were like, you got 10 heads? Like you, were, like, like you had that feeling. Why did you keep going? Uh, at a certain point, you just don't really care. <laughs> Yeah, but there had to be like, I believe in this more, oh, yeah. more than you disbelieve in that. For sure. And the reason why was because I saw that it worked. Had I not tried yeah. it and or had that one experience failed, I probably wouldn't have gone as hard as I did to uh, start my business and, you know, create the virtual care. But I knew it worked. Well, let me and jump in with a really cool vestibular yeah. anecdote here is look at John Epley. So Dr. John Epley back in the 70s, he came up with this new idea that there was these, these uh, particles of debris in your ear and he could fix patients with positional vertigo by putting them through multiple positions and then strapping a cervical collar on them. His own medical professionals and his, his colleagues thought he was nuts. They tried discrediting his research. They wouldn't let him present at, at um, conferences. Yeah. They tried revoking his medical license. And now you say the word vertigo and the first thing out of people's mouth is, oh, try the Epley. Yeah, I that's mean, a really good point. 
that just rings true to um hand washing. It was a great micro <laughs> podcast about um you know the guy the people who were like, so I think um so I think hand washing is the thing that surgeons should be doing. And you know, medical professions were like, What are you talking about? Like, I think there are these things called germs. Um, and the reason I stopped you there, Abby, was I had an uh we did an episode a couple months ago, end of 2020 with uh with a guy who was like yeah um i moved i moved from pennsylvania from northeast pennsylvania actually where i was in radio not far from wh where i grew up here in the hudson valley and he's like i moved from pennsylvania to vermont he's like i just wanted to i wanted to be a snowboard pt and i said and this was unplanned i did not know this in the in the interview prep i said what was the thing that gave you the guts to go i'm gonna do this because he had no connection family or friends in vermont but he was just like, that's where snowboarders are. And I love snowboarding. And I said, what gave you the permission? And he said, and this warms the cockles of my heart. He's like, I heard too many people on your podcast say I wanted to do something. And then I did it and it worked. Uh -huh. okay. And to me, that's what I've said all along is the definition of success. When someone hears something on this, on the other end of this microphone, I can't believe that people actually listen to this and they go, I listened to that. I got value. And then I changed my life. That blows my mind. So someone listening to this right now, I mean, I'm getting a little, you know, all the hairs on my arm are standing up. It's like someone listening in you know, three years might DM me and be like, uh, guess what? I guess the crazy connection I made. And I just sit there and I go like that Gene Wilder meme. And I'm like, tell me more. I'm <laughs> like, tell me because I want to hear that. All right. So yeah. you, you 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 did that one FaceTime and you're like, whoa, this was easy. And yeah. I helped someone. And now geography doesn't matter. That's what like that was the thing that that was the moment that like blew my mind from pot from radio to podcasting was instead of me having to stand in Wilkesbury, Pennsylvania and only affect 700,000 people, geography now no longer matters. Right. The patient care. And that's a big deal if you're really good at what you're if, uh, really good at what you're doing. And people like you said, your colleague was like, please help this person, please, please, please. And you did. That's a yeah. big deal. All right. So you kept going. What happened next? I mean, just that alone is really re rewarding, right? She thinks she is lost. She doesn't have the health care she needs. And then you FaceTime her a few times, a, uh, you know, a few times a month. I, th I think we only met like four or five times and she was on the right path. But I also wanted to say that, you know, when you work in a clinic such as NYU, you have people coming to you from all over the place. So I had, I think the furthest patient that I treated came from Thailand, which is ridiculous. You have vertigo and you get on a plane. They were Thai living in New York or they flew to New York? They flew to New York for care. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, crazy. But I also had regular patients fly. I remember one, one person I had come from Florida weekly. And I was just like, this is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I wasn't going to turn away the care, but um, I just thought it was crazy. So if I can teach this person what to do virtually, I'm not only saving them, their family member from having to accompany them because they're symptomatic, the exacerbation of symptoms, just commuting to an office in New York, we know how that goes. New York, and then yeah. also just time. I mean, the ability to provide virtual care allows so much more flexibility for people who still hold jobs, who have mom and dad duties. For me even with work, getting to an appointment is hard. And well, I actually get annoyed if I can't do it virtually. <laughs> we're, we're open during working hours. And when do, when do people work? It's in the name. It's working hours. That's what I was going to ask you next before you brought that up, which is like, what are the cancellation? Like, do you track that or just ha has it feel like anecdotally like, hey, people cancel less. They show up like, you know, is there is there show rate like higher? Like, what do you feel? 
In the vestibular world, it's a little bit different because symptoms fluctuate. So the only real cancellations that I get that stand out are the ones where they're just too symptomatic that day or, or it's, you know, they just aren't up to it. Right. Usually I will still encourage them to come to the appointment because there's some way I can help them, even right. if it's trying to get their symptoms calmed down. Um, but it's more symptom based than I don't have someone to help me get to the appointment or the train didn't come or transportation didn't show up on time. You know, you don't get those excuses anymore or those reasons I should say. So yeah, I mean, and they get to choose their time, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. I have way more flexibility as a clinician providing telehealth. I'll usually say to the patient, what time works for you? And I'll try to make it work on my schedule versus, um, you know, we have 11 a.m. on Friday, the 27th, and that's it. Right. So more yeah. flexibility. I mean, that's just that that's the word. And people are used to that. You're demanding it. Right. Because as soon as you know, there's technology that exists that allows you to pick your own time. The audience, the patients, they, de they demand it as they should. Mm -hmm. yeah. right. We talked a lot about the delivery of care, but let's let's get like really, you know, let's drill down a little bit on vestibular care. When someone says vestibular care, you know, let's go macro. What does that include? Danielle, like you, this was I, I think I remember this like back from when we first met, like this was you all along. Like, <laughs> I'm doing this part. And I think I was like a second mm -hmm. year student. I was like. I'm going to be somewhere in PT. I have no idea where you're like, I'm doing this. And you'd only been graduated for a couple of years. You're like, I'm, I'm doing this. So when someone says vestibular care, you know, kind of like, you know, give us the macro view of that. Well, the, the interesting thing is, is there's a, there's a lot to do with vestibular rehab and care. So this could be anything from simple BPBV where you've got dislodged crystals or oconia in the inner ear and patients get dizzy with changes in position. But now this also encompasses post-concussion and post-concussion symptoms. This includes migraine. You can have neck-related dizziness or cervicogenic dizziness. Vestibular therapy can even just include somebody suffering from balance dysfunction and decompensation because they're not moving, which we're seeing a lot of with COVID now. People who might have had a vestibular issue way in the past, compensated fine on their own, are all of a sudden now feeling these symptoms because they're not active, they're not moving, they're not stimulating that system to stay strong, so it's getting weak. So you're looking at either maneuvers for BPBB, uh, benign uh, positional vertigo, or you're looking at exercises to help um, engage the brain and the eyes and the ear to kind of get back online with one another, or even just teaching someone how to stand up straight again. Um, it's absolutely amazing to see the variation among patients, which makes it a little difficult. You know, every single vestibular patient that walks in the door is going to be different. And they could be different from, from visit to visit. They might not present. I had a gen just this week, I had a gentleman come in. We treated him for right posterior canal BPBB. It was fine. He was home for a couple of days, took a fall, hit his head on the floor, and oh. ended up with BPBB on the left side. So, you know, everything's not a given. You can change completely, um, you know, 180 in, in two visits. Yeah, I remember when I was doing my last rotation at an outpatient clinic, there was it was kind of it wasn't rural, but it was, you know, kind of the, one of the only clinics for for a couple of miles. And we'd get some vestibular. And I remember just thinking whenever I'd see that on my schedule as a student, I just go, OK, here we go. I have no <laughs> idea what's going to come in. That's when I, when I met you and you were like, I'm doing this. I was like, she seems super confident. What's her email address again? <laughs> send these over there because it, it was it was interesting. It was a mixed bag. But I guess, you know, with anything, the more reps you get in anything, the more comfortable you're going to be in, in, in those things. Yeah. This is completely selfish. I'm going to play this episode for my dad who has had vest. He, but here's the thing. And I don't know if you guys have experienced this with your parents. Um, I call it the uh, I call it the uh, ass wiping syndrome. 
if someone has wiped your ass, you can never know anything more than them. My parents will tell you that their son is intelligent. My brother, their their kids, we're intelligent. But if I tell him something, he'll just be like, I don't think that's right. <laughs> if Danielle or Abby were to say it, he will believe it as is written by God. So he has had vestibular issues or he's had he's had dizzy issues. So I'm going to ask the, I'm going to walk you through this patient case and okay. I have revealed the patient already. It's okay. He's giving me permission. He's uh he's had maneuvers by PTs before and the reason he won't go back is because it made him sick. And I said, mm -hmm. "But dad, that's proving you need to keep going back." So when you experience things like this, what do you say? Well, make sure you have a really good amount of emesis bags on hand. That should always be your number one uh, utility in the clinic. But, you know, it's hard. Familiar, though, right? Because people are like, I'm getting sick. Something's wrong. And I was like, Dad, I recognize that. Mm -hmm. And I'm and I'm hearing you. I'm not I'm not just counting that. So the, no, that's a barrier. It's, right? it's a huge barrier, especially for the people who are so terrified. I mean. This is another aspect, the anxiety of coming into the office. So anxiety will just amplify symptoms and dizziness or vertigo is very subjective. You know, I can have somebody on the table and their eyes can barely move with nystagmus during a, a treatment and they feel like they're flying off the earth and they can vomit. Or I can have my nice laid back, you know, patients 80 plus years old, their eyes can be rolling out of their head and I can say, are you dizzy? And they're like, no, why? Wow. So it varies from patient to patient. And the hard thing about trying to encourage somebody to go back is making sure they feel comfortable with their clinician. So, you know, there are, you know, from PT school and coming out um, with our basic knowledge of beep and BV, you hear somebody with positional dizziness and they try the Epley. Well, the one difficult thing about beep and BV is yes, most of the time we can do a treatment for the posterior canal and have the Epley work great. But there's other variants. There's atypical forms of beep and BV. There's different canals. Those crystals can get stuck in that require different maneuvers. I had this one woman that kept going back to their ENT and having the Epley maneuver done for about a year. She was so terrified and anxious by the time she came in that she was no longer laying down at home. She was sleeping bolt, right? Uh, upright. She had myositis and has wasted away in that ear because she didn't want to move. And the entire time she just had crystals in the horizontal canal. She needed one maneuver and she was good. What did that please tell me what <laughs> like when you were like when you did a thing, how did that feel? What did that look? How did she react? I love stories this uh, she screamed she she's actually one of my funny videos that i show when i do some teaching because there's a lot of uh very nice old woman curse words being said <laughs> a lot um, by the way they have license they have zero they have oh, license to curse like, as soon as you a certain age, i don't know what it is but they got license no but filter you, no, no filter. filter but you you know you you feel excited that you found this and you helped the patient but at the same time you feel really sad that they had to go through that for so long and her life was affected so terribly because um, she didn't have the access to taking a deeper dive. And that's one thing that vestibular telehealth has really helped with was increasing access. There's not many of us who love to treat dizziness and vertigo. A lot of people hear dizziness and they go, I want nothing to do with that. And now that we have telehealth, we've got so many people reaching out from all different areas around the country, around the world, asking if we can help because they don't have those resources. In the UK, somebody reached out to Abby and I and said, listen, we can't get into any of our appointments for five months. And I have to travel two and a half hours to get to this wow. one clinic that has a specialist. What do I do? Yeah. So that's where that comes in handy to at least work with these patients over the, the computer, over the phone, which has been helpful. All right, yeah. BPV, like like break it for break it down for me again. Uh, I'm pretty sure I remember what it means. Benign, paroxysmal, mm -hmm. positional vertigo. 
It's not going to kill you. It happens suddenly with changes in position and you get a false sensation of movement when there is no movement. There we go. Yes. All right. Yes. So what happens when it's more than one canal? I don't, I remember playing with uh, tubes with uh, with like BBs in them in PT school and trying to figure these things out and being like, these are in our head and wrapping my head around that. Yeah. More, more than one canal. What do you do in there? Well, first of all, I got to I got to go back to um, what would you tell your dad? Yeah. Oh, yeah. My please. favorite line to tell people is if I bring out your symptoms, it means I can likely help you. Thank you. We if celebrate. I don't Dad. bring out your symptoms, I don't know what direction I need to go in now. So if I'm bringing out your symptoms, it's a win because now I know what to do. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. And I learned yeah. that from G.I. Joe. But and also, and you should have Dad McKay give us a call. <laughs> you know what? And that's the thing. I, I And again, he wasn't going to listen to me. And this was when... He was having the issues when I was about to go to PT school. And I, I was like, I don't know what that is. And when I got to PT school and when we were covering it in class, I was like, oh, I was like calling him immediately. I was like, hey, I just learned a thing. And I think you have this thing and I can't treat the thing. But I think you should go back because I think the PT can, in fact, treat the thing. And he was like, nah. I just, but I think his, it, you know, part of his issue was he kept I, I vomiting. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I learned a thing in school. That was the sign. That means we're on to something. And yeah. but oh, I shout out to uh, ProCare in Goshen. There is a vestibular clinic in Goshen that has infrared goggles. And I've called and thoroughly vetted them. They sound like they know what they're doing. So ProCare out in Goshen. Goshen having, down having the road. All right. Mm -hmm. well, I'm going to get my because here and here's why. Because and bring this full circle to what you just said. It breaks my heart when, when you know, I'm just talking to my dad on the phone. What's what's new and whatever. And he's like, well, it's not feeling really good. I'm like, what's up? And he's like, it's dizzy. I don't know what it is. And I'm like we've discussed this <laughs> and I like bite my tongue and I'm, I'm like going through my head. I'm like, what do you, what should you say? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like motivational interview interview. I'm like, what do you, th what do you think it is? He's like, I think it's that ear thing. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> where'd well, you we, get that idea? Where would you, what do you think we should do? You know? And I'm trying, but again, ass wiping syndrome, you know, and I get that, you know, he's my dad. He's always going to know more than me, but I feel bad because I'm like, I think I know something here. And I'm not trying to say I can fix it, but I think I know the type of people who can. So ProCare yeah. Ocean, I'm gonna send them down the road. Mm -hmm. All right. So uh, for for the for the clinicians out there, I think this is good information. Um, I think that, you know telehealth is just definitely opening up doors, and people are saying like, well, no one can do it, and Abby's like, I can do it. And, and Danny, <laughs> Danny, and we're like, great. You know what? Stay on that side of the fence. No one can do it. I will take all of the patients, or we will help all of the people, and you you cannot. Um, but uh, moving on, what else besides besides BPBV, which I think is the thing that comes to mind for a lot of people, myself included, what else? What else are you able to do in terms of vestibular care in this you know, delivery method? Yeah, uh, you know, a lot. So part of it is figuring out what the problem is so you know how to treat it. And BPPV is very common, but actually we're starting to discover maybe some other diagnoses like vestibular migraine are actually even more common and you treat those two things very differently. Or maybe they have a combination of diagnoses, vestibular migraine and BPPV. And to touch on your question before, because I never answered it, bilateral BPPV or multi-canal uh, I have not seen that many cases, but my preference as a clinician is if I suspect maybe both sides, 
Um, I will treat one and see how it responds. And then if something is still present on the other side and I suspect it, I will go ahead and treat that. I don't treat both because then I don't know what maneuver worked actually. I don't know what the actual problem was. That's more well, like that. you're throwing the kitchen sink at it so you don't know now. Yeah, that and two, when you so when you go through maneuvers and you replace otoconia back where they where they came from in the utricle in the inner ear, you know, you can treat one side, but to treat the other, you have to basically reverse the entire procedure you did and you could potentially put those crystals right back where you took them out of yeah. or convert them to a different canal and make them feel temporarily worse. I remember these as games as like kids, right? The games that were like, you know, coffee table games in the water and you're trying to get the thing in, yes. in the liquid and, and then to do it backwards, you're going to undo the thing that you just did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it's literally exactly that simple. <laughs> and by yeah. the way, the therapist, you can't see the thing that you're replacing. Like, you know, we can't see inside of the skull. It is not in fact transparent. Um, but you're 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 constantly using assessments. What symptom? You know, symptom provocation and reports from the patient and nystagmus, and those are all the things that you have with you. Yeah, what? your eyes are basically a window into your inner ear. So if a patient presents with nystagmus, we have a really good idea on where the problem is just based on the eye movement, which is really crazy to think about. It is crazy. When I learned about it in PT school, I was like, "Hang on a second, what?" Yeah. Yeah. And well, then, that, you know, the, oh, go ahead, Danny. Oh, I was going to say that's, I mean, that's huge. If, if you can understand the fact that nystagmus will always beat to the more neurally active ear and you can learn Ewald's e e laws, that's the direction of fluid flow and what makes things excited or inhibited, then you can pretty much figure out any type of BPV and where it is. So the eyes will tell you exactly what you're doing. If you drop somebody back into a Dick's Hall pike and you see their eyes just beating to the corner of their eyelid, and they're not, there's no torsion, there's no vertical component, then you're not even looking at the posterior canal anymore. You're just looking at the horizontal canal. Your posterior canal test just told you you have crystals somewhere else. So just being able to look at a patient's eyes is really all you need and, and to listen to the patient's subjective symptoms. So let's go, to, let's go to this. How could you pull that off with telehealth? How are you going to be able to do that? Like, can, like, are you having someone really, I mean, my, you know, are you having them hold their phone like right yeah. to their <laughs> Literally. And then you're talking them through the maneuver. You should see now, all the my, weird patient videos that I get I from bet. patients because they'll text me like, I'm dizzy. I'm like, send me a video. And they know to have this up to their eye while they do their laying down. And I have yeah. all these really weird eye videos from from people. So you got to have you have to have very good um, communication skills in terms of, OK, I would like you to do this and this while you're doing this. You the know, communication has for me has improved crazy because what you do in clinic, you know, you can guide people with your hands. Correct. Now position is so important because we have to base it on the anatomy of the inner ear. So if I tell this patient the wrong position, I might be actually making them a worse or feel worse or just not getting the job done that I need to get done. So your communication skills with telehealth have to be really good, but also, um, especially for the first appointment, I try to get people to have someone with them to help with being the cameraman or woman, because think about it. If you are holding your phone and you lie back into the position I need you in and your whole world starts spinning, holding your phone is going to be the least <laughs> of your worries at that point. So, I mean, even if a patient drops their phone, let's say, and I can't see just based on their symptoms, Right. I pretty much know what's happening. Um, 
But, you know, to touch back on what we do in vestibular care, one of the major things I think that we do, and probably the most important thing outside of treatment is education, because so many people have no idea that their vestibular system even works, let alone plays such a massive role in their everyday life until they get symptoms. But once you start to explain what's happening, it's like this light bulb goes off in their minds like, oh, okay, this makes sense. I've never heard of this. I had no idea, but now I understand. And automatically you'll see people just start to relax. Yeah, Because they're seeing the person in front of them saying, hey, I might not know exactly what this is right now, but I understand these symptoms. Does this sound familiar? And you're you're asking questions that you assume the answer is going to be yes or yes, 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 yes. Okay. and they're saying, all right, I'm at least in front of the right professional, right? Yeah. We might not solve this in the next five minutes, but I'm like you mentioned that woman earlier, uh, you know, for a year going through that. Yeah. I mean, I would love to watch videos like that where people are like I've been suffering. You, know, you don't want to watch video, but you want to say, hey, we found the thing. Um, I don't want to brag or anything, but uh, Danny, uh, I was at uh, so I was at uh, Copperfields Bar in Montgomery, which is the only <laughs> bar. That's well, you know how big your town is when there's one bar. <laughs> and I explained to a local police officer what was actually going on with a roadside sobriety. Mm-hmm. Test. Mm-hmm. He brought up he had just been giving a roadside sobriety test to someone. I was like, very interesting. Do you like tell me why that worked? And he's like, but if they can't touch their nose, it means they're drunk. And I'm like, yeah, but why? Why does it, <laughs> why does it do that? So I was what he's like, it they told us to do with the nose if they can't touch their nose. I'm like, no, no, I understand. I understand what a nose is and what a finger is, but like, why? And so I did a little patient education, but uh, officer education on uh, <laughs> vestibular issues and somatosensory and visual in terms of playing into the bell. I was like, I don't want to brag or anything, but I know all about it. <laughs> they also actually look for nystagmus, whether they know that's what they're seeing or not. Really? Do they, tra- they, they, they train them on that to, to look <sighs> into the eye to see that? Yeah, yeah so they cool. do so visual cool. tracking, and I think they hold so that they can see if any nystagmus comes out. Is that right, Danny? I don't know the sobriety yeah, test yeah, that they'll well. They'll do but... like a smooth pursuit and they'll do holding. Yeah. But Jimmy, I, I mean, you might have heard about this, but you know, like when you get the spins, if you yeah. had a little bit too much to drink, <laughs> right? that is right. actually alcohol changing your inner ear, your vestibular system. What? Yes. So think about it. Your inner ear has three little sensors at the end of your canals. Right. And these sensors are like billows. They change direction based on angular velocity of your head. So those only move because the fluid around it moves, but it's got to be equal density to the fluid around this little sensor. Okay. When you drink alcohol, it gets into the endolymph that fills the inner ear and changes the specific density. Now, all those little sensors float. And when they float, you get the spins. So when you drink alcohol, you're changing your inner ear. That's what happens when everything starts to go. That's vertigo. That's true vertigo. Let's go a little deeper, Danielle. Why do I feel better when I get that, that I put one foot on the floor? (laughs) This is perfect example for a lot of your vestibular patients. Think about this. Somebody with a vestibular dysfunction, one, doesn't like having their eyes closed. They do better if they just look at the horizon, right? They're like, as long as I look at that dot, when I balance, I'm fine right? Or they have to be able to put their finger on something. They've got to touch something. If they can increase somatosensory reaction to their body, they can ground themselves. They're using other systems to help their balance if their vestibular system's going crazy, 
right? So when you're when you're drinking, when you're not feeling well, when you've got the spins, you want to ground yourself. You always want to sit up a little elevated, about 30 degrees, because that's where your horizontal canals are, are situated. And you want to increase your somatosensory. So you want to put your foot on the floor and you want to stare at something. And that's what kind of calms things down. And that's why you feel terrible when you close your eyes. But now imagine this in the clinic with your PT patients. So say they've got somebody with vestibular dysfunction. They just want to be, they want to be touching something. They want to be laying down. They want to be have their hands on something. And then that becomes a real issue down the road if they don't compensate well, because now they're relying only on visual cues. So now you've got somebody who can't go to the grocery store or be in a subway system because all this movement in the periphery makes it difficult to fixate on something to tell them where vertical is. Where they are. And now, Exactly. And now all of a sudden they're having so much difficulty. So you'll see as a physical therapist with vestibular patients, a lot of chronic uh, dizziness, people who have this constant sense of rocking. They can't be in grocery stores or big open spaces. They can't be in public transportation. They have a hard time walking around their house at night. And those are people that have had issues that haven't resolved well. And they've, they've put so much weight behind their visual system that they can't function on a normal day-to-day -day basis. So now you've got to work with these patients in the clinic to habituate them to making them feel uncomfortable. Vestibular therapy is very counterintuitive. We want to put you into a situation where you feel symptomatic. And people usually steer away from that, which is why they end up with prolonged symptoms. Yeah. Who was it? Was it Dale Earnhardt Jr.? Yeah. Oh, yes. I tried so hard. I tried so hard to get in touch with him. Let's get him on um, I, wouldn't that be amazing? He is a very tough man to get in touch with. Yeah. Um, I got so close. I found somebody that has his personal cell phone number, but they told me they couldn't get in good context, give it to me. So they, they had me reach out to other people and I don't think he was interested. I'm but tell him, give, give it to me in bad context. <laughs> so he um, he actually had a, a series of concussions from driving. And it wasn't until later on that he started having all of these vestibular symptoms and he couldn't function. I mean, to go around a track at 200 miles an hour where you couldn't move your head and, and have the whole world stay still is dangerous. Sure. So he actually has gone on a bunch of different. Um, he's been open about it. He's been on Joe Rogan and he's been on a lot of different podcasts where he's openly spoken about it. And he goes, yeah, this is crazy. They have me looking at stuff and turning my head and throwing balls back and forth. And, you know, it sounds crazy, but it, it worked. It, it was the one thing that got him back. He talked about the depression that he had when experiencing those symptoms because they just couldn't go away. They just constantly plagued him all day. He was in a, a commercial for somebody. He was he was talking about, like, I couldn't go to the grocery store. That was mm -hmm. too much. And you're like, I used to drive around, you know, 200 miles an hour. And that was no big deal. I can't walk uh, a cart around, you know, aisle six anymore. So. Uh, good to good to see at least you know some pro some high profile um, experience and exposure for the rest of the world to make it let's say hey listen if Dale Jr.'s uh, mm -hmm. dealing with this and I'm dealing with this is the, I, I can seek some help. Uh, talk about the podcast. Why should clinicians listen if they're looking to get more information in vestibular therapy? You know, I mentioned at the top of the show. There's you know the internet is ever expanding, but you want to find good sources of information. I mean, I think so far in we, we we've kind of figured out you guys know what you're talking about. What do you guys get into <laughs> on your show? So our show is um, geared toward both clinicians and patients. And actually, a lot of the topics that we cover are topics that people have messaged us su suggestions of. And, you know, as we get different guests, we like to have them tell us what they feel most comfortable, confident, what they want to share, kind of like you do, too. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so both clinicians and patients, I think, can benefit from it. For the most part, it's really in terms that the layperson can understand. But sometimes it does get, you know, we have 
really intelligent physicians on lately that even some of the things they're talking about is over my head and I have to take a step back and re-listen to it to make sure I understand what they're talking about. Yeah. But we go through, you know, the basics of navigating the healthcare system was our episode that aired today. Um, the psychological impacts of vestibular dysfunction, you touched on it a little bit with uh, Earnhardt. And that is huge. Depression, anxiety, those are real. And just getting help with your symptoms also can impact the psychological impact that the symptoms provoke. I always tell people there's such a vicious cycle. You know, you get these vestibular sim symptoms, then these psychological symptoms come on, and it's a, it's a never-ending, yeah, exactly. It's a downward spiral until you can really manage both simultaneously. Right. Um, well, first recognizing that one is in fact affecting the other. Like that's the first time. step is realizing that, hey, that one thing can affect the other. And you're like, yes, if, if you can buy in on this, we've got a chance here. Yeah. We try to cover a lot of topics like that where we where we get into like the patient perspective of things. Right. Because patients they're I mean, they're they should be your number one focus. But then also as clinicians like this season, we've really kind of gone out with a bang because we've gotten some really um, top level guests, I think, with Dr. Tashido. We've had Jeff Walter on a lot. Next week is Sue Whitney. We had a conversation right. with Sue Whitney um, on some controversial topics in the vestibular field. Um, but we, we do get technical for our clinicians out there. We talk about um, we had atypical types of BPV with horizontal canal. We're working on getting uh, Dr. Janet Helminski on, who did a paper at CSM a couple of years ago about this really cool new form of atypical BPV, which I actually just saw yesterday. Um, we really geek out on the technical side, but we also have a great place for patients to come in. We had um, Sarah Renberg, who was uh, destined to be a D1 hockey player for Yale. And her entire life just came to a crashing halt after a traumatic brain injury from concussion on the ice. So we got a patient perspective. And Abby, I think that was one of our most response, uh, responsive episodes. People connected with her so well and loved her and was inspired by her. Every time it's a story, you know, like some of our yeah. most listened to episodes. Uh, Ryan Clark was a former Pro Bowl defensive back for the Giants and the Steelers. Um, and he did an episode where he talked about um, where he gave you know, physicians and PTs a lecture on paying attention to the patient and what they're telling you. And a lot of times it's like, you can get as technical as you want, but if you ignore that, you got nothing. You got yeah. nothing because no one's going to listen. They're not going to respond. What have you learned from being, this is for both of you. I want each of you to answer independently. What have you, uh, what have you taken away from being a podcast host? Because it's different than communicating one-on-one -on -one with a patient. Because like you're, like right now we're aware that I'm talking to Abby, I'm talking to Danielle but we're conscious that there's a live audience and there's a recorded audience that's going to come out later. So it's, it's, it's similar, but not the same. So what have, what have you learned, like taken away or gotten from being a podcast host? I'll go start first. Okay. You go. <laughs> uh, I think the biggest thing is that you are actually learning as well, oh. whether it's that you're learning how to communicate with an audience you can't see or, uh, you know, learning how to prep for an episode, but also with your with your or with your guests, you're constantly learning. We don't know everything that the guests are going to say. We don't know the knowledge that's they're going to pour out into our audience. And sometimes, you know, you're seeing us in real time react to something that's new to us too, which is beautiful, especially because Danny still works sometimes in the clinic, but you know, I miss that camaraderie of having my office mates who I can bounce ideas off of. I do constantly 
text and call Danny if I need to have a clinical discussion. But having the podcast is a great way to stay on top of your vestibular research and knowledge and best practice, all of that. So that I think is the most, um, the biggest takeaway for me with the podcast is that it's constantly, uh, you're just constantly learning. And I love that. I've told people all the time, like, right, there's like, there's some technology into it, but like the barrier to entry for a podcast is low. And people are like, well, if anybody can do it, where's the magic? I'm like, it's like, first of all, it's spoken word. Like it's what your brain is wired to do. It's what our ancestors did around a campfire. And if you do that well, if you're conscious of, that's why I always tell people like, like, well, do I have to present or prepare? I'm like, it's conversation over presentation. Our brains are, our brains are wired to ignore presentation. Like, if you can tell someone's like reciting, we are we zone out. I go right to my phone. I'm like, you're reading. I can read fat. I'll just read this later. Like, so it's so you, funny. You nailed it there. All right, Danielle, what about you? Podcasters, what have you gotten? Well, it's funny when you when you you bring up a good point. When you listen to our initial <laughs> uh episodes, probably like the first three, they were very scripted mm -hmm. and it was very obvious. And it just got to the point where it it felt too uh, clinical, it felt too, uh, uh, packaged and it just wasn't, it didn't feel right. You know, now I have to admit this, this whole experience has just given me a, an excuse to try to talk to all the people that I read all their research and I love all the stuff that they do and I want to pick their brains. Um, but it gives us a chance to learn, you know, this is something where we have to be cool with checking our egos at the door. We don't know everything. We want to learn more and we have to be okay with the fact that an episode that we have five years from now might be completely opposite of what we thought you know, from the beginning. Yeah. So I think it's really neat that we get to go into each episode. We try to keep it conversational because typically once we get it rolling, we can't stop. We just start you know, getting into this vestibular rabbit hole, but it's just about being able to talk to the best of the best in the field, kind of get the questions that we want answered, answered, improve our patient and clinician care and reach people that might have the same interest. We need to get more vestibuloholics out there. We need more people <laughs> to get on board um, because it's such a, it's a big void in our profession that needs filling and it needs to be filled well. You know, it, it's great that people can go to weekend courses and do one weekend course and kind of go back to their clinic and try to figure out, but we need a community. We need people to talk. We need people to mentor. We need people to be able to communicate and, and um, trade patient stories about this so that they can learn how to treat their patient population better. So this entire podcast kind of took, I think me and Abby by surprise on how much it's taken off. I mean, by the time I wake up in the morning when we have an episode post, we already have probably about a hundred listens. I don't know um, who's listening in the middle of the night or where, <laughs> but it's starting to blow my mind that people are like, Hey, there's something to this. And we want to listen yeah, and I mean, we're getting more guests on. It's amazing. It's amazing. It, it took me some time to wrap my head around it, but uh, it was uh, my former boss in radio was like, you have to think about podcasts this way. And it's not just podcasts. It's, you know, a social media account or a website or a blog. It's not broadcasting. And I was like, well, no, it is. He's like, no, no, no. Broadcasting is standing standing somewhere geographically and hoping as many people near you can hear you. I was like, okay, well, podcast seems a lot like that. He goes, no, you are aiming for very specific people and you do not care where they are. That is mm. narrow casting. He's like, you're not a shotgun anymore. You're a sniper. And I was like, oh. And the coolest part is the more stuff you put out there, the more your audience will find you you i'm like that is if i would give people advice is like start i mean kind of what abby we love this episode off it's like people who you know knew more than you and i'm always said that this is not possible and you can't do it i'm a physical therapist radio dj 
A lot of people told me that was a stupid idea, but there's enough people out there we can make a living on doing communicating, right? All I'm doing is leveraging a bunch of other people being, you know, smarter than me. And you know, where do you where do you fit in that equation? Well, you're able to you're able to host that conversation. It's even better when you're not the expert because you can ask honest questions and go, hang on, I don't understand that. Do it again. Because the worst problem as a podcast host is when you're sitting there picturing, why didn't I ask that question? Because you're like, the audience is banging on their desk going, wait, ask that. Why didn't you ask that question? So that's the thing I was I usually tell people is ask the question, check, as you mentioned, check your ego at the door mm-hmm. and your audience will respect the fact that they walked away smarter than, than when they walked into your episode and then yeah. for more. Period. And you know, people like authenticity, right? So as Danny mentioned, if you look at our first few episodes, who are these girls and what are they doing? Honestly, because we we were we were kind of nervous. We were afraid we weren't gonna say something correctly, we were gonna have ums or likes. Now I prefer that. If I'm listening to a podcast and I know this person is real that I'm listening to, I like that. That's more engaging to me, not scripted. Maybe they mess up a word here or there Mm -hmm. or they go off on a tangent like we do all the time. Uh, I definitely prefer that. And that's a hard thing, I think, for someone who's more of a perfectionist to come on to a show, not really know how it's going to go, but just go with the flow. Right. And then also it kind of mirrors vestibular therapy in a little bit. It's a little bit of a trial and error. Try mm-hmm. one thing, see if it works. Try another thing, see if it works. Go down this rabbit hole change direction you know it's vestibular therapy you could only figure out if it worked after you did it yeah it's like we tried this weird type of episode did it work i don't know like and but here's a here the guest and the host very important in a podcast because without a guest and a host on an interview show anyway they don't the boss is the audience though and they will tell you you might be like that was the best and the audience is like nah then you're like (laughs) okay that's that that by definition that was not the best and the funniest part is when you find something that you're like, I don't know if that was all right. And the audience loves it. And you're like, yeah. that was the thing. That was the thing you love. And you're like, all right, I guess we do more of that. Uh, you guys ready to do three questions? Sure. Let's do it. Trick question. Of course you're ready. Three questions brought to you by our friends from Fusion Med Staff. Uh, travel transparency. Look, you want to do what you want to do where you want to do it. I remember going through PT school and some of the professors, I won't say who, said, oh, travel physical therapy. You got to be like five, ten years in before you even think about that. And now we've got uh, new grads taking on travel assignments and loving it. Tell people you get a you get a license to drive. It says I can drive anywhere I want. You get a license to be a PT. I mean, you got to get a different license for every state, of course. But let your let your license take you where you want to go and uh with true travel transparency with our friends from fusion med staff you know exactly what you're getting into right they want you to be happy doing what you want to do which is being a great pt or pta where you want to do it which is i don't know i don't know where you want to do it so find out more fusionmedstaff.com so first question is always a where question we'll go danielle and then abby uh where would you want once everything is safe because it's a covid world and we're just living in it. Once everything's kind of real safe to travel, we're somewhere in the 50 US that you'd want to go that you just can't wait to go first. Oh, I want to go out to the West Coast. I haven't spent a lot of time out there. And I just I want to get out to either California, Oregon, Washington, somewhere along those lines and just experience everything they have to offer out there. A very fr- infrequent answer, Montgomery, New York. Not a lot of people. Angry Orchard right down the street. They know that. And mm-hmm. they know where we're from. Abby, where are you going once you can go? 
Okay, two places actually. One is home to see my grandparents. All right. The second one, I'm a big sunrise and sunset girl. So my answer was going to be Cali simply for the sunsets. Sunsets. All right. I like that. Second question is a what question. This is how I beef up my Netflix queue or my podcast <laughs> list or my reading list. What is something that you think the audience would get value from? It's a, a book, a movie, a podcast, something. Oh, well, I can be a dork. I can say go dork check out MedBridge. Um, they've, MedBridge has a lot of great vestibular courses. Jeff Walter just put a brand new 10 series course out on there, which I may or may not have a part of one of his little yeah, segments. Yeah, you were in that one there. But, um, but it's, it's really good. So anybody that's listening to this, thinking about getting into vestibular therapy, it is the place to start if you're thinking about it. I mean, that's where I got my inspiration to get into vestibular therapy was when I had my clinical rotation with him after taking one of his courses. And it was just awesome. It, it's he's a, he's a wealth of knowledge. So definitely check that out. I cherry pick MedBridge uh, presenters all the time for good guests because I'm mm -hmm. like, they vetted them. Okay, great. Now let's just learn from them. So obviously they can talk because they just did a MedBridge course. Let's get them on a podcast. <laughs> Abby, what's your what? What do you got for us? I would have to give Vestibular Disorders Association a shout out here because if you don't know much about vestibular care, but you have clients that are coming in, that website is such a good resource, really good information, or they have a healthcare provider directory that if you can't see this patient, you can at least find someone who can. Responsibly uh, refer, which is always a good thing. That's great. All right, last question. We always start and end with people. This is a chance for you to get, uh, give a nod for someone that you think, who should the audience know more about? Ooh, uh, well, I'll go back to Jeff Walter again, but anybody in the field, Jeff yeah, Walter, Sue Whitney. Oh man, he, he got it all started for me. It was crazy. I mean, when I did my clinical rotation with him, we saw 10 busy patients a day, five days a week for 10 weeks in a row. And I saw everything from superior, uh, superior canal dehiscence to mal de embarkment to multiple canal beef. Maybe it was awesome. Got me hooked. But uh, he's a big wealth of knowledge. Uh, Sue Whitney, uh, Dr. Sue Whitney is a huge wealth of knowledge, especially when it comes to concussion and all the contributions she's made to the field. Um, Dr. Taishido with his, uh, you know, he's got this great tool. Everybody should check this out. It's uh, BPP viewer dot com okay. and you can go and simulate beep and bv in a patient multiple canals any canal they'll show you the orientation how to move people through positions it's awesome it's free you got to check that out there's a million of resources check out vestibular dot today i put a lot of those resources that we use into one place to try to give people who are getting into vestibular therapy all in one platform for resources so check that out as well there's a lot man they should give you a little they should give you like an affiliate code or something you just really <laughs> <laughs> Abby, what I do you know she just hit so many of them, honestly, but one of my favorites in the vestibular world is Dr. Neil Shepard. If you haven't heard from him, check him out. He was actually recently on one of our podcast episodes and I just adore the man. He learned so much. He's so kind. You can just tell he's one of those warm and fuzzy people that wants to help. And I love that. I like that. All right. That's uh, that's three questions from our friends at fusionmedstaff.com. Uh, go do travel therapy where you want to do it. Hashtag travel uh, PT. Let's do our parting shot now. It's the last thing we do. Parting shot brought to you by our friends from the Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy. I don't know why, but I always hit the of really hard into <laughs> the academy of orthopedic pt uh if you're looking to uh, improve your orthopedic skills where else would you start right the academy of orthopedic pt uh, a lot of people taking this uh this kind of covid time and improving their game maybe thinking about going for that ocs 
Uh, they've got a great resource called Current Concepts of Orthopedic Physical Therapy, which is, in fact, Current Concepts of Orthopedic Physical Therapy. It's a great course, a great prep course for that OCS exam. So if you want to level up their game, who better to do it with than the Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy? Find them online at orthopt.org. So parting shot, your last chance for like the mic drop moment, right? For like the last thing you want to leave with the audience. Uh, we'll go Danielle and then Abby. What do you want to leave? What do you got? Parting shot, go for it. Don't be afraid of vestibular therapy. Just get into it. Get comfortable with it because you see a lot of patients that have vestibular issues, whether they're there for that reason or not. Um, have the confidence, get into it, dive in. There are so many more resources now than ever before. Take advantage of them and just give it a try. Uh, there's not going to be any harm in it. Just try. Help as many patients as you can. There you go. Get into it. Abby, good luck following that one with your parting shot. Go for <laughs> I would say persevere because you will not know everything in the vestibular world. Even if you've been treating for 30 years, you will not know everything. It's constantly changing. And we didn't even know half as much as what we know today that we did 10 years ago. So persevere both as a clinician, as a patient. So much of what we do is trial and error, figuring it out as we go. And of course, you're doing that on a base of knowledge, but persevere. Persevere. Great parting shots. Again, the other uh, podcast, Talk Dizzy to Me. Uh, go look at that for a resource. I mean, I love when people are like, you know, I go for a walk, I listen to that podcast. And when I'm done with the walk, I've learned something. Who knew? Learning can be fun and portable. And that's what we've got for you guys. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. I would love to, you know, for the record, say, hey, listen, next time you guys got something you think our audience of general cl clinicians, right? So you guys are very niche in the vestibular world. Uh, let's have you guys back like on a regular basis and we can do, you know, do more of these stories and maybe we'll do, maybe we'll play some videos. I would love to play some videos. We've got good videos. All right. Well, let's let's schedule sometime in the spring a video episode where you guys get to play maybe your top five patient success videos because they're, they're because you guys probably have a ton of video content with all the uh, the telehealth care. Mm -hmm. I love it. All right, yep. guys. Uh, appreciate you guys coming on. Thank you for doing this. Pleasure to see uh, you uh, again, Danielle and uh, Abby. Uh, pleasure to make your acquaintance. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having Thanks. us. Thank you, Jimmy. Love the PT Pinecast? Yes. Yes. Support the show by telling a friend or by leaving a review on iTunes or Google Play. All right, show today brought to you by the Brooks Institute of Higher Learning, an innovator in providing advanced post-professional education. Brooks IHL offering continuing education courses in numerous specialty areas, six PT residency programs, an OMPT fellowship, as well as challenging but rewarding internships. The IHL specializes in the translation of information from evidence to patient management, Learn what they can do for you to support your professional development at brooksihl.org. Our home on the internet. ptpinecast.com. Created by Build PT. Build PT provides marketing services specifically for private practice PTs. From website development and hosting. Providing content marketing solutions for PT clinics across the country. See what Build PT can do for you today at buildpt.com. The PT Pinecast is a product of PT Pinecast LLC. It's poured fresh by me, physical therapist, Jimmy McKay. Ingredients are sourced by our chief connections officer, Sky Donovan from Marymount University. And it's brewed fresh 
by producer and physical therapist Juliet Dassinger and by producer and creator second year PT student Bridget Nolan from Sacred Heart University. PT Pintcast is a podcast that saves physical therapists from missing out on amazing insight, remarkable ideas, and motivational stories. Make sure to follow us online at PT Pinecast and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. I absolutely love you. I love you, love you, love you. It's, it's awesome. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. And if you found value in the show, all we ask is that you tell a friend. This has been another pour from the PT Pinecast. The PT Pinecast is intended for educational purposes only. No clinical decision-making should be based solely on one source. While care is taken to ensure accuracy, factual errors can be present. More on the show at ptpinecast.com.